Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing where to turn for debt and budget help with Thomas Nitsche. Yeah, Joel, in his early 20s, Thomas Nitsche, he found himself in loads of debt. Like so many folks, he didn't learn how credit cards really worked. And so the charges began to add up. And before he knew it, he had an overwhelming balance that he could barely make minimum payments on. And then couple that consumer spending with student loans, a car payment, a mortgage, and then the final kicker, uh, getting laid off and losing his income. Thomas found himself in a really stressful spot, but he was able to move from a place of desperation to using his experience to help others. He now works for Money Management International, which is the largest provider of nonprofit financial counseling and education in the United States. He's all about conversations around money and destigmatizing debts. And that's what we're going to do today. So, Thomas, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thomas, we're glad to have you. By the way, Matt and I, we drink a beer every week on the show. And it's to signify that we splurge on something we love right now, while also at the same time trying to save and invest well for the future. Today on the show, we're drinking Experimental IPA Volume 13 by a local home brewer called Easy Chair Brewing Garage. So I want to ask you, what's your craft beer? What's your equivalent? What do you splurge on right now while you're saving for your future? Absolutely. Well, I love dark beer and I love wheat beer, but I wouldn't say that's my splurge. I think, you know, beer's pretty affordable and I don't go too overboard, but I would say that I splurge on travel, at least during uh, times when we're not experiencing a pandemic. Uh, I travel about once a month to various places. My partner owns a timeshare at the Atlantis in the Bahamas. And so we go there pretty regularly and um, doesn't always have to be that fancy though. I'll go to the lake a lot nearby in the summertime and just love to get out and see new places and spaces. So Nice. Uh, so yeah, well, maybe where is maybe some of the more adventurous spots you've, have you been? Like, do you, do you do you go abroad much as far as to like some of those countries that some folks have never, I guess, been to or heard of? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So my partner works for a nonprofit, uh, a music oriented nonprofit, and they nice. tour U.S. bands overseas. And so I would say the most adventurous was when I joined him on one of those tours in Belize. It was a lot of fun and got to see a lot of cool places. Got lost by myself a few times. It's always oh, no. <laughs> fun in a strange, you know, country. But 
that was a really cool experience. I don't travel internationally as much as I would probably like because I, I do um, help take care of family back here in Illinois. And so it makes me a little nervous to travel that far, but I do travel uh, domestically quite a bit and to uh, the Bahamas. Very cool. Yeah, well, Joel and I, we both have little kids, little babies at home these days. So travel uh, isn't something that we are doing very often these days. But obviously, like you said, uh, I'm sure that's something that you're not even doing all that much these days. I think I saw something like airline travels down like 90% at this it's point, nuts. maybe 95%. Yeah. Nobody's traveling right now. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, you can't even get a direct flight. And my partner was saying you can't get a direct flight from here to D.C. right now, from St. Louis to D.C. You can't even get a direct anymore. So that's crazy. Insane. Man. Well, Thomas, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, we kind of wanted to start at the beginning of your relationship with money, really. Um, yeah. You know, the beginning of your story. It's a, it's a pretty familiar one. In your 20s, uh, you got into credit card trouble. Can you kind of recount that story? Like, how did all that happen? Yeah, for sure. So I would say even earlier than that, because I'm now going on 41. And, you know, back in the day, the credit card companies could market to you when you were at junior college, right? Um, and give you a free t-shirt with a credit card application, that sort of stuff, which they're yeah. not allowed to do anymore. Um, so yeah, at 18, 19 years old, they handed me a, a platinum credit card with a $10,000 limit. And I don't think I was making $10,000 a year at that point. <laughs> so that is sort of the slippery slope that I started down. I came from a religious family and the extent of my credit education was that debt is bad with no real explanation of, of why. So like any good teenager, I... Uh, rebelled and got a credit card and started using it. So um, that that's sort of where it all started for me. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. Like I was in the process of, of coming out when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And I um, exited my living situation with my family rather hastily and under those sort of pressures and um, kind of had to just build my life from scratch. And unfortunately, credit cards had to sort of support that process because I wasn't getting that support from uh, from family or, or anybody else. So that's sort of where it all started for me. And then just over the years, it just never really went away. I, I managed it, but I never really got it paid off. And even up until the time that I owned my first house and then my second house, I still had sort of like nagging credit card debt. And then when the recession hit in 2007 is when I got laid off. And I went from a, a high paying job at a, at a global financial services company and then came to what was then ClearPoint, a nonprofit, and took a substantial pay cut. And um, it was during the recession and things got pretty ugly for me. So I had to take steps to improve my situation and find my footing and, and get all that under control. Wow. That. That's a big story in a short amount of time. That, that is the like... Reader's Digest. <laughs> yeah. That is, yeah, that's about a decade of, of financial journey in. 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine the, the personal difficulty and, you know, the, the financial difficulty just seems almost pale in comparison to, I'm sure, some of the other things you were going through. But, you know, we, we do want to talk more about the financial stuff. What, what were the, the major steps that you took in order to stay afloat and pay off your debt while you lost your job and you were going to, you took a substantial pay cut? Like, how are you staying afloat? Right. So I really just, uh, I, took a look pretty much at every expense I had and any expense that I had either I had to cut or figure out how to reduce. And that ranged from living with three people at one point. I had a, fortunately I had a four bedroom house, so I was able to sublet rooms. So I had other people living in my house. I sold a car and bought a 10 year old car, one that I could pay cash for and not have a, a loan on um, and had cheap nice. insurance, you know, like took some some sort of you know gig sort of work just anything i could possibly think of any non-essential any bill that i had i was calling to negotiate things and and cut memberships and cut subscriptions and i really just took a, a pruning shear to the whole the whole budget um which is you know similar to what we recommend our clients do when they're facing those situations but you know, that was sort of how I tried to right the ship, so to speak. And then all, I was one of the first people to get a, a home loan modification through the HAMP program, the um, mod federal modification program back in 2008, 2009. And so that helped substantially reduce my mortgage payment. So in addition to the other cuts I had made and the added income from the um, subletting, I was able to stay afloat and fortunately never, never missed a payment on anything, credit card, student loan, mortgage, um, in the process. So that was, that was really good. Cause I was able to maintain my credit and, um, have managed to do that over the years. So 
you're mentioning subletting. These days, a lot of folks are calling that house hacking, right? And right. it's kind of like an extreme step, I think, for a lot of folks to kind of change their living situation, going from, I own this house myself, to, oh, now I have roommates. <laughs> right. Uh, but that can make a, a, a huge difference on, the, you know, on your expenses every single month. Like, yep. wh- how did you get to that point? Like, how did you think that, like, oh, I, need, I, I can get roommates? Like, that's an option for me. Well, I think it might have been a little bit easier for me for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, keep in mind that I was substantially younger then. I was also a single guy. And I had also pretty much always had at least one roommate anyway, as long as I had moved out from my parents back in the day. So it really wasn't a huge, as big of a deal for me as it probably would be for somebody who lives alone or who just lives with a partner, right? It was really just a matter of adding more roommates. Um, I pretty much always had at least one. So it, it, that wasn't too big of a jump for me. You know, obviously it comes with stresses and there's personality conflicts and the other person's financial situation that you've got to accommodate, you know, sometimes as well. Dishes piling up in the sink. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it fortunately it worked out for me. And between that and the modification, it was, it kept everything on track and it really, it really got me through that time. I also did do a temporary um, hardship forbearance on the student loans. So that helped as well, suspending those payments. But you know, ultimately, I was able to just sort of cobble together a plan, you know, between all these various little little pieces. And, you know, I was looking at things that were 10, 20 bucks a month. Right. No, no stone was really going unturned as far as things that I could I could try. But, you know, fortunately, I was only actually out of work for, I think, two or three weeks. Um, I took a, a temp job temporarily in between my previous job where I'd been seven years and where I am now. And I've been here, I guess, 12 ish years. So it, fortunately, it didn't take me long to find another position, even though it was a, a lower paying job. I, w- I was able to find employment, which is, you know, I'm very thankful for that because there were a lot of people at that time that were having a, a very hard time finding jobs. And when I came to what was then Clearpoint, that's what I was doing was counseling people who were really experiencing the same thing that I had just been through. So it was, you know, really helpful for me to have experienced that personally. While it was painful, it was very helpful for the perspective of saying, listen, if I can do this, you can do this. Here's what you need to do. Here's what I did. This will work for me. Let's figure this out together. And it was, it really made for a a much easier time creating that rapport with my clients during that um, time during the recession to have had that personal experience. Yeah. And Thomas, you actually went from someone being counseled at ClearPoint right. to working for ClearPoint. Right. And I've heard you say before that the hardest thing for people to do oftentimes is to take the first step to come in and seek help. So how are you able to take that first step to find it and receive help from a not non-for-profit credit counseling company? What made you decide this is the step I have to take right now? I would say a couple things. First of all, like I said, I was exploring every option and I'm like, you know, if it's a nonprofit and they can give me some advice, let's see what they have to say. You know, I, I don't have to do anything based on their advice, but let's see what they have to say. And here in the St. Louis area, it used to be called Consumer Credit Counseling Services. And I was familiar with that name from way back in the day. But the funny part of the story is that after I came to ClearPoint, because of the name change, I didn't realize that ClearPoint was the same as CCCS. And I actually found my myself in our database and I was, it was kind of oh, jarring. So funny. <laughs> yeah, it was jarring because I'm like, wait a minute, why am I in here? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> these are the people that I talked to a few years ago. That is um, crazy. So it's a, it, yeah, very serendipitous or whatever you want to call it. But yes, I was a former client. I ultimately didn't end up going through a debt management program with ClearPoint or CCCS at that time because I had around $10,000 with a credit card debt, but I talked about it with a counselor and she's like, you know, you really just need to buckle down and uh, get your stuff together. Really, it was sort of a wake up call. And she's like, you know, you could use our, our repayment program if you wanted to or if you feel like it's out of control, but you really just need to buckle down. And so it was really sort of a, a helpful for a wake up call and, and to, for advice on my other advice on my budget and from that perspective. So I, I'd received counseling from ClearPoint. I ultimately didn't end up going through a repayment program with ClearPoint, but it certainly did help to understand what my options were and to sort of get that reassurance that I can handle it. I just need to, to really buckle down and organize. Yeah, I, I bet with the different, you know, counselors that that work for y'all, there's got to be a certain degree of empathy, right? Like, you know, there's people calling up; they're in tough positions. I'm assuming, like, that's what you heard when you called up as well. You, right. you were able to connect with with someone, and you know, you said that it was more of a wake up call, right? And I think the other reason that it was a little bit easier is that our industry has gone from a very face to face model back in back in when we were founded back in the 50s and 60s, 70s, and 
instead of being face to face, we're now telephone and internet based. And I do recall sitting in a parking garage at a mall and being on the phone with the counselor. And I think that might've been why it was easier for me to make that call as well, because I didn't have to go in and actually face anybody. Mm-hmm. I could make yeah. the call. And, you know, there's sort of a little bit of like anonymity or, or protection or, you know, uh, emotional protection, I guess, of, of having that interaction on a phone call or through a computer versus face to face. It's a little, you know, the, there's not as much fear of judgment or, um, you know, getting strange looks or, you know, whatever it might be. So I think that's another factor that sort of helped me out. Yeah. Well, Thomas, it's really cool that you ended up working for the credit counseling company that helped you out in the first place. And we want to talk more about some of the specifics of what a not-for-profit credit counseling company can do and also kind of debt management plans, debt repayment help, that kind of stuff. We'll get to some of those questions right after the break. I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. 
rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Joel, we're back from the break. We're talking here with Thomas Nietzsche about debt. And uh, let's go ahead now and dive into debt repayment plans and, and some of the different help that's out there. Thomas, like debt repayment help, these are some shark infested waters. How can individuals find legitimate help when they're attempting to pay off uh, a large amount of debt? It really comes down to doing your due diligence and then understanding what debt relief options are available um, based on your situation. Uh, you know, we hear a lot about debt relief or debt consolidation. And to the average consumer, that that means one thing. And to the, somebody who actually works in the industry, it means something quite differently. So when we talk about debt consolidation, we're usually thinking a debt consolidation loan, right? Creating a new loan to pay off other debt and consolidate it. When consumers hear that term, they sort of lump sort of any debt relief into that. Like they consider our debt management program a consolidation because it does consolidate the payments or they consider a debt settlement company a consolidation because it does again consolidate the payment they make one payment to the debt settlement company and then you, again you have loans as well so there's a lot of confusion around what these different types of debt relief are um, so one of the projects that i had at, at clearpoint was you know helping consumers understand those differences and those nuances of what options are available. We created an ultimate debt relief guide that sort of gives the pros and cons of each one of these to help people understand that, you know, based on the type of debt they have and where they are, what the status of the debt is, what the best option for them is based on that. You know, it can range anywhere from doing a debt snowball and just getting more organized in your personal finances can range all the way up to bankruptcy. There's a sort of a flow chart of like, where, yeah, that's you know, a very where wide range. At. Yeah, very <laughs> wide range, right? And if you're dealing with somebody who's a you know in the in the for profit industry or who is working on commission or whatever it might be, they're obviously going to be motivated to sell you on what they are selling you. If you go to a bankruptcy attorney, they're going to want you to file a bankruptcy. If you contact a debt settlement company, they're going to want you to file a, a settlement. Just understanding that and looking up reviews, looking for other people who have used that service, looking to objective sources of advice you know, the um, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau or any other number of um, government or, or nonprofit or think tank sort of organizations so that you're not relying on advertisement or somebody who's trying to push their product. Right. Yeah. Even a Google ad can, can be presented in even, front of you when oh you're my searching gosh. for information, right? And that's one of the worst places. Right. But on the other hand, a simple Google search can also raise a lot of flags. I can't tell you how many yeah. people would contact me during the recession who were who had gotten tangled up with a debt settlement company or a, a, a complete scam, like somebody outside the country who was promising to, to relieve them of debt for a fee if they would wire them money to Canada, Jeez. right? Ouch, yeah. And then, you know, a, a simple Google search of the name of the company that that they were thought they were dealing with would reveal that it was a scam. Like yeah. it'll lead to sites doing, like ripoffreport.com. Exactly. You know, yeah, consumers are constantly posting about websites that right. have scammed them out of money. Yeah. And, and the other thing is to go ahead and get a second opinion. You know, just because you spent an hour on the phone with somebody and you think that's the right plan for you, don't hesitate to reach out to somebody else and educate yourself and, and, you know, get all your options down on paper, get two or three options down on paper, and then make a decision on what you want to do based on all the information. So just to kind of hammer the the point home here, Thomas, like these for-profit oftentimes companies, they make a lot of claims about what they can do, how they can help you with your debt. What are some of the worst things that you've seen for-profit companies do to take advantage of people? Right. So the, the biggest thing historically we've seen with at least debt settlement companies and what they call credit doctors who are promising to improve your credit um, is that they make these claims, right? We can settle your debt for pennies on the dollar. But then what they don't often explain is how they work, which is that you quit paying your creditors and they don't pay your creditors either. And you make payment to them that they then hold in escrow until there's enough in that account to offer the creditor a settlement once it's in collections. So it would come to a great surprise to many of my clients who would reach out to me and be like, well, they're not paying my bills. Why aren't they paying my bills? And I'm like, well, 
they're a debt settlement company and here's how debt settlement works and here's some information you can read about it. They're going to stop paying until there's enough to settle. That's their whole thing is settling the debt. And if you're currently paying a credit card company, that credit card company's likely not going to agree to a settlement because they're getting their payment. You have to stop paying and go to get into collections, uh, get into a collection status before you can do a settlement. So it's really a lot of education and, and just um, telling people how that actually works. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about educating, you know, the folks who are coming to you. It seems that one of the biggest differences, maybe, between a nonprofit like you guys and a scam company or even a for-profit company, is that nonprofits seek to educate consumers versus, right. you know, just a, a for-profit company essentially just viewing their, you know, the consumers more as customers, right? Right. And right. so, yeah, I mean, it, like it sounds like education is a, a really important step, uh, a really important sort of prong of of what it is that y'all offer your your clients. Exactly. And that's why and how we operate as a nonprofit. So with every client that we counsel, we provide them with education and an action plan as far as what they might do next. What are the next steps for you? And in that action plan, we're usually giving giving them a few different options that they have that they can choose for themselves what is best. And obviously, that will often include, if appropriate, what we offer long term in a debt management program. But if it's not appropriate based on where that person is, if they have all collection debt, for example, or if they're so underwater that they really need to seek legal advice, we're going to tell them that. Or if they should do a settlement, but they should just work with the creditor directly on a settlement, we're going to tell them that as well. So yeah, it really is all about education and giving the person the right advice based on a snapshot of where that person is right now in their financial journey. So that is really what we're trying to capture. We gather something like 200 data points during a counseling session. And the reason that we're capturing all that information wow. is to determine a financial snapshot of where that person is at so that we can make the appropriate suggestions. Thomas, you mentioned credit doctors or credit repair services too, and it's really nice. We all want to think that we can get something done in no time, resolve an issue with with very little effort on our parts, and that's kind of what some of these repair services claim to do. They, right. they promise a lot, but they right. oftentimes don't deliver very much. So have you ever seen these credit repair companies deliver meaningful results, uh, and what is the best way for people to actually start repairing their credit in your opinion? Right. So a, a credit doctor is like so many things. Yeah, you might find one that has good reviews and that is effective in getting your credit score increased. But the, the best way to do something is not always the easiest way to do something. And when you need good credit, when you want to buy a house or a car or whatever, you shouldn't start thinking about that the week you want to buy that thing. Right. You need to be thinking about that months, if not years in advance. And you need to be creating good financial habits um, creating good relationships with your creditors long before you try to accomplish the financial goals that you or life goals that you want to accomplish. How a credit doctor works is they capitalize on those people who don't do that, which unfortunately is many of us. We like to procrastinate, right? So a credit doctor says, hey, I can get your credit score up 50 points in the next two months or whatever it is. I don't know. You know, that's just an example. They may be able to do that. And they do that by disputing anything negative that's on your credit report. The problem with that is that if that debt is then sold again in the future, it can show back up on your credit report months or years down the road. So it's not to say that they are completely ineffective because that would not be truthful, but they are not necessarily the the most appropriate or best way from a financial management, long-term financial management standpoint to be conducting your your financial business. Just like in your job, right? If your boss tells you to to do a task, there's going to be the easy way and there's going to be the right way, most likely. And if you want to have a successful career or want to have a good relationship with your boss, um, you probably shouldn't take the easy path. <laughs> so, hey, speak yeah, for yourself, Thomas. I like the easy path. When it well, comes to hey, work, okay. It, w w when appropriate, yes, easy path. <laughs> when appropriate, but in many cases, we all know that the easy, you know, the the easy path isn't always the best. So, right. um, that's really sort of a a good analogy to how a credit doctor works. It's it's not that they can't work. It's just that um, it may not be the best route to go, or it may not sustain you or, or change your habits or really do yourself any favors uh, long-term by using them. It's sort of like getting a cortisone shot, like on the sidelines, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like <laughs> this will get me through the rest of the game right, or the rest right. of the match or something like that. But like long-term, you don't want to keep doing that. Like you're going to just wreck your body if you keep, you know, not addressing the uh, the underlying issue there. Matt speaks from experience from his MMA days. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen me. I'm jacked. Uh, well, so Thomas, often like being in debt, this means for individuals getting 
like sometimes these shady phone calls and emails, right? And so for folks looking to kind of handle some of this debt themselves, like what rights do individuals have when it comes to dealing with these creditors who are, you know, hounding them? Yeah. So again, comes back to education. You need really need to go out and look at the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act so that you know what a creditor can and cannot do. Um, you know, they shouldn't be calling you at three in the morning or threatening to show up at your door or send the cops or anything like that. You know, if you're being harassed, you do have recourse. You can file complaints with the CFPB or with your state's attorney general's office. You know, you may even have grounds for a lawsuit. So yeah, you need to, you definitely need to know your rights. On the other hand, you also know when you need to take action. If you receive a, if you receive a legitimate court summons for a court appearance, you, you better show up and explain your situation. And even if that means, even if you can't pay it, you need to go and and explain your situation because if you don't show up, if you ignore it, um, they get a default judgment against you. So there are some people, you know, that are judgment proof. They may be collecting social security or disability. They might not own property. There may be no way for the creditor to collect, ever collect that money, but you, you don't want to ignore a summons. Sure. Yeah. Those are some, some good tips. What about what, what abilities Thomas does a nonprofit company like money management international have to help resolve debt issues with creditors that people might not have access to on their own? Are there certain specific tools and abilities that y'all offer uh, that people wouldn't be able to get on their own when it comes to dealing with creditors? Sure. In some cases, yes. So the way we work is that we have longstanding relationships with most, if not all of the major national creditors and some smaller regional creditors in what is called a debt management program known as a DMP. And basically, if we do a counseling session with someone and we determine that they are a good fit for a debt management program, we will make that recommendation. I think it's somewhere around a fourth of the total people that we counsel. We will make that recommendation. And if the person decides to enroll in a debt management program, we then communicate with their creditors and we know up front what most creditors will do by way of concessions. That means a reduced interest rate, reduced payment, a fixed interest rate and a fixed payment for the life of the repayment so that you're not surprised, you know, you're not ever surprised by how much your bill is. It stays the same and it locks that rate into a a lower rate. So on average, we're able to lower people's rates to about 7.3% and it creates a four-year repayment plan, um, possibly longer if you have a high level of debt. So yeah, so we set that program up. We send proposals to each of the creditors. We get their agreement to that. That's probably the primary difference between us and a settlement company is that many times the settlement company is not getting that upfront agreement from the the creditor. They are default allowing you to default on the debt. And then they're hoping for the best basically, as far as what they're able to settle for. Whereas we contact the creditor on the front end with a proposal to get their agreement to it. And then the consumer agrees to the repayment plan. The creditor agrees to the repayment plan. And as long as that consumer is able to stick to that payment for those uh, 47 months on average, they are then debt free with all, you know, whatever debt they included on that program. Now, the caveat, of course, is that it is for unsecured debt. So that's things like credit cards, retail store cards, some personal loans, that sort of thing, not anything that's secured. So you can't put a mortgage or a car or your RV or boat or whatever, or uh, student loans also do not work in debt management programs. So that's sort of a an overview of how that works. Gosh, it makes me think just this conversation is there anybody out there who is better served by going directly to for-profit companies and not going to a not-for-profit credit counseling um, place first? I think it's a great idea to get some objective advice first. Reason being that depending on the status of the debt, you could be better served with a debt manager program than doing a settlement because we've found that our average client who goes through a debt management program increases their credit score by about 70 points in the first two years of their debt management program. There might be an initial dip because we do require that the accounts be closed when they enter the debt manager program. So as you know, when you close a you know line of credit, that's going to ding your credit score a few points. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is an initial dip, but within two years on average, we see a 60 to 70% credit score increase. That is not going to be the case usually when you do a debt settlement. Also, it's a good place to start with us because if your debt is already in collections and we're not going to be able to be as an, as effective with you with a debt management program, because typically a debt management program is most effective when the debt is still with the original creditor. It does not necessarily need to be current, but you have about three months from the time that you default on a credit card to get it back in good standing before it gets charged off to a collection agency. So it's really important to take action in those first three months reach out, try to do everything you can do, either contact the creditor directly to get a hardship plan, especially if you're impacted by COVID or some other um, economic 
personal economic hardship or reach out to a nonprofit credit counselor so that we can work with the credit card company to get that account rehabilitated and back on track and get it reporting positively on your credit report again. Now, if you're somebody who's let that account go more than three months and you're in collections, then yes, it is possible that at that point, the credit damage is done. You may not be in a position to make full payment or what the payment is that they want. So it could be in your best interest to to save up some money and offer that creditor a settlement down the road. But that is something that you can educate yourself to do. And to a large degree, you can manage your own debt manager program, the, what, we, what we administer. But that requires contacting every creditor directly. And our average client has six or seven or eight creditors, contacting each of them directly, getting on their hardship program, and then making those payments religiously every month individually. Whereas on a debt management plan, you just make one payment to us and we disperse the payments. So in both cases, it's not that you can't do it yourself necessarily, but the terms that you get directly to the, through the creditor or the terms you get through nonprofit credit counseling may be a little bit different. So it's a good idea to see what the creditor will offer you directly and then see what you're able to get through a credit counselor. And if it's better, if it's a better rate through us, then it could be worth doing it. Yeah, it's it's good to hear that there's actual tangible benefits to to going with a you know a nonprofit like you guys. You know, aside from sort of the emotional support and aside from the sort of accountability that you would also receive by by talking to a counselor. Right. And similar that's, thing with the the similar thing to credit doctors. I'm not here to say that every debt settlement company is evil. No, that's not that's not the case. There are certainly debt settlement companies that have positive reviews and good experiences. The part that I would emphasize is that there's education involved. And then if the if the person has not already been sent to collections by their creditors, that it's best to try to avoid that by either working with the creditor directly or going through nonprofit credit counseling instead of further escalating it by getting involved with a debt settlement company. Now, if your finances have changed to the point where you just can't make a payment, not even a debt management plan payment, then you might need to be considering another strategy, whether that's um, saving up for a debt settlement yourself or going to and getting legal advice to see if you're a bankruptcy candidate. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's really good info there, Thomas. Um, overall, this has been awesome uh, on managing debt, but you kind of hinted at COVID-19. And so we're going to talk next about you know the great lockdown and how that is affecting our money, uh, specifically how that's affecting our debt. We'll get to that right after the break. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. 
So what exactly is Health Aid Kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice and it's super thirst quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon I'll have some. It's super easy and it's affordable too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right we're back from the break we're talking about where to turn for debt and budget help with thomas nitchie thomas let's talk more about the the major issues that you see facing money management international clients right now people that come to you for non not-for-profit credit counseling uh, you get obviously a lot of calls a lot of emails and you're getting more i'm sure right now how have those calls and emails changed since the great lockdown has basically uh, broken the economy at least for the time being Sure. So we're seeing a couple of different channels, different types of people calling in, people who have engaged us in the past or who are in a debt management program now and who are now experiencing the economic impact of coronavirus and are struggling to to make those payments. So with those folks, we're helping them understand what their creditors might be now offering over and above what they're offering in a debt management program as far as a deferment um, or other payment suspension or reduction that might help them get through this time on a, on a temporary basis. Um, and then our, another large bucket of calls are people who are calling and are concerned about th- keeping up on their mortgage or keeping up on their rent. Even if they're not necessarily yet financially impacted by coronavirus, they are concerned about what that looks like if this drags on and they do experience um, an interruption in their income. And unfortunately, you know, many Americans just don't have emergency savings set aside. They don't have emergency savings set aside to sort of get them through three to six months of a downturn like this. So, you know, we have a lot of really concerned people reaching out right now. And then also people who are already impacted and are struggling to understand the terminology that their lenders are using. So forbearance, for example, when a lot of consumers hear the word forbearance, they hear forgiveness. Like if they, if, if, if they, lender says, we're going to give you a three month forbearance. That does not mean that those payments are simply forgiven or that they're just going to be tacked on to the end of the loan or whatever. At the end of the forbearance, you actually have to solve for those missed payments. So whether that's a lump sum at the end of the three months or an application for a modification or a repayment plan where those missed payments are split up over say, you know, a year or two and then added to your existing mortgage payment, those are actually realistically what what forbearance means. Uh, it absolutely does not mean a forgiven payment. Hmm. Thomas, have you seen any like credit card issuers you know, changing the way that they deal with cardholders? You know, based on the on the pandemic. Yeah. So absolutely, um, a lot. You know, a lot of the creditors I feel are responding a lot faster than they did during the the Great Recession. Um, I think they, you know, many of us learned important lessons during the recession as far as how to respond to consumers who are in crisis. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really really. Um, encouraged to see what many creditors are doing. Not all, but many. The problem though, is that there are so, as you know, there are so many creditors, um, you know, there's hundreds of creditors nationally and each one is handling this a little bit differently and has different policies, different procedures, different way of um, getting people into these plans might be online. You might have to call in, might be an application. 
you know, they might be offering one month of forbearance for now or, or deferment might be three months. So it's really all over the board and it's making it really challenging for both counselors here, MMI and consumers to understand what they should be doing, where to direct people. Um, these processes are, are slow sometimes to be spun up and sometimes processes change and we're not advised of that by the creditor. And so it is a confusing time for all involved. And there's, you're seeing a lot of frustration, even more frustration now with the stimulus checks and, you know, when am I going to get my check and how am I going to get my check and what is it going to be based on? And it's a really difficult time for consumers right now. We're, you know, we're obviously doing the best we can to bring some clarity to those um, scenarios as we meet with people. Yeah. So for people that do have debt and they're trying to figure out how to get forbearance or deferment, or for someone, let's say, who's got a car note and they're trying to figure out, well, what do I do about this? Because I can't pay my car note this month. What questions should we be asking of a potential creditor when we're trying to ask for help right now? Sure. So probably we need to back up and talk about if you can get a hold of your creditor first, right? Like the, <laughs> right? the, the, the calls are just astronomical and we were experiencing people, you know, being on hold for hours on end to try to get through to somebody. So I would say the, the, probably the best thing to do at this point is to start online and check with the website of your various creditors, um, because that's going to be the easiest, fastest, uh, and likely most efficient way to get the information you're looking for. And there might even be way to, uh, to apply for that financial hardship aid right there on the website. If you don't see it on their website, try logging into your account and see if there's anything behind the login firewall that'll give you more information. It'll pop up at the top of the page. Right, right. So once you've done that, then at that point, you might need to start getting on the phone or if, they're, if they have a, a messaging app or an um, email address or something like that, something that's a little less frustrating than being on the phone uh, phone for hours on end, try to take advantage of those routes as well. Nice. The reason Joel was asking about what questions to ask is because he owes me 20 bucks. And so he <laughs> wants to know how he can kind of get out from, from under my thumb. Matt's <laughs> customer service is terrible. I can't even get a hold of the guy that in order to pay the bill off. I am slow to respond. Go to his Facebook page and <laughs> <Right>. message him. <laughs> yeah. I'm just leaving dirty comments a public on his Facebook grievance page. Yeah. On my, on leave, my him a, page. leave him a bad review. <laughs> That'll get his attention. Thomas, tell us some about uh, like Project Porchlight. So that's a part of MMI. And how, how can that sort of project, how can that be potentially uh, helpful for people right now? Yeah, sure. So I'm really excited about Project Porchlight. It's a, a program that was designed by Kate Bulger here at MMI, who's um, in our development department, but she's also a former counselor and she's personally experienced, or her family has personally experienced um, natural disasters, uh, tornadoes here in uh, my area, actually in Missouri. Um, and what she noticed was that the recovery for people who've been impacted by a natural disaster it takes a long time and there's real difficult challenges applying for FEMA aid, applying for insurance help, figuring out how you're going to overcome shortfalls, out-of-pocket expenses, credit card debt for things that weren't covered by insurance or that any number of challenges that somebody has when they go through a natural disaster. So we created Project Porchlight and we got funding um, and we got a partnership with Fannie Mae, and we operate Project Porchlight as Fannie Mae's disaster response network. So any um, mortgage holder who owns a home that is uh, the investor is Fannie Mae can receive help through the disaster response network, which is uh, Project Porchlight. And basically it um, gives them resources and counseling, coaching to get them back on track, get them uh, on a path to full recovery, and hopefully expedite the recovery. So what we do is we do an assessment to determine where they're at right now, sort of similar to a credit counseling session, but more focused on the disaster and the, the aid resources, see what sort of assistance they need, see if they need help with um, appeals with FEMA or with their insurance company, and then let them know about resources that they may not already be aware of. So when COVID happened, um, we looked to Fannie Mae and to our other funder, which is a MetLife Foundation, to pivot Project Porchlight to people who've been impacted by COVID. Now, nice. obviously, there's some real challenges here, right? Because this program was designed for regional geological disasters. So, you know, hurricanes in Florida, tornadoes in the Midwest, fires in California. It really was not designed for a pandemic or a on a national scale. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. So that's been our challenge right now is pivoting to COVID and giving people the 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 best possible support we can to try to help them understand what their options are and get them through this really challenging time. But we are really proud of the fact that we developed that program 
um, in response to natural disasters and that it's now available for people who are impacted by COVID. And MMI itself actually was flooded during the uh, Hurricane Harvey in um, oh my gosh. in Houston. So we do have some personal experience from our own experience and from that of our staff. And so, you know, again, the empathy factor, right? Like we've been there, we know we've done this. So we definitely encourage people to reach out if they're struggling to to get the support they need or if they have feel like they've exhausted um, their resources or um, have exhausted the, the help that they're getting from their creditors. Well, Thomas, this has been just a great conversation. I've learned a lot. I hope you know this has been really helpful for our listeners too, especially the ones who are having you know, income issues, do have debt issues right now. Where can uh, our listeners find out more about Project Porchlight and about MMI so that they can you know get help via those avenues? Yeah, absolutely. So moneymanagement.org is our main website. If you've got any sort of budgeting challenges or experiencing high levels of credit card debt, need help with your housing, that's the place to start. If you've been specifically impacted by a natural disaster in the United States, or if you're experiencing a reduction of income or hardships due to COVID, go to porchlight.org um, and that'll take you to the right spot. Very cool. Well, Thomas, thanks so much. Uh, this has been, yeah, I, I completely agree with Joel. Like I have learned so much and uh, yeah, hopefully we're able to get this info out there and help those out there who are also in need. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Man, Joel, what a great conversation we just had here with Thomas Nietzsche of Money Management International. I'm so glad that we got to basically pack so much information into you know this short conversation, and hopefully our listeners are gonna you know be better for it. Uh, what to you stood out? Like, what was your big takeaway? Yeah, so it's hard to come up with just one thing, but if we I had covered to, a lot of ground, yeah, yeah, we did, we really did. I, I think the the biggest thing, Thomas, I had to write this down when I heard him saying it. He said the best way to do something is not always the easiest way, and I think that showed in a couple of ways in our conversation with him. One. The easiest way to get out of debt is not to sublet every single room in your home. He took the hard way, but he did that in order to make sure he got out of debt in a timely manner. The other thing is when you're dealing with creditors, the easiest way is to Google debt relief companies, hop on the first one and kind of try to get the ball rolling there. The hard way is the longer four-year slog of a debt management plan through a nonprofit counseling company. After having done the due diligence where you've gotten multiple opinions. Right, right, right. And I think that is just such a good thing that life oftentimes boils down to. The best way to do things is not always the easiest way. That's just true for so many things. And it's definitely true of our money. It's true of investing over the long haul. And it's true of getting out of debt. Uh, it's true of getting a budget together. It's not always easy, but doing those things, going about it the hard way is going to have just a, a lasting impact on your finances and on yourself as a human too. Yeah, man. I, you know, I feel that that's why credit doctor is such a, a term that kind of stands out because you think, yeah, I just want somebody to show up and fix my credit, like fix this mess, <laughs> like fix all this that I have done over the past 10, 20 years of my life uh, of neglecting my finances. Yeah. If it was like credit therapist, you'd be like, no, it's going to take too much time. <laughs> exactly. But as we know, and we, we, we've seen this in medicine over the past you know, several decades, but a large part of overall health, whether it be our physical health or our financial health, it's more holistic. And it takes doing the right thing, the hard thing, day after day, a lot of times there isn't going to be an easy fix. And even after you talk with a counseling company you know, like Thomas's, it could be several years, like you said, before you're out of the woods. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. For me, my big takeaway, we mentioned how you know he said this previously, that the hardest step the hardest first step to take is just like contacting a credit counseling company like this, because there's a certain amount of, I think, shame sometimes that people associate with having not handled their finances well over the years. Right. And uh, this is something you and I, we've talked about this before, right. But the difference between shame and guilt, right? Like we've talked about Brene Brown and how shame is when you identify with something. And so if you see yourself as uh, someone who's terrible with their money and that's just who you are, you're going to be less likely to take those steps because it's hard to change who you are versus if you see yourself as, yeah, I did those things. I'm guilty, right? <laughs> but you can change small actions. You can change behaviors. It's hard to change who you are as a person if you identify with that. But I think it's easier to say, okay, well, this is a small behavior that I'm going to change. And over time, by taking the right step, like you said, Joel, day after day, year after year, you're going to end up in a fantastic place when it comes to your, your personal finances and, and with your credit. Yeah. If you just sweep it under the rug, keep moving along, that 
problem doesn't go away. It gets worse. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, taking that step, making a phone call, even if it's just that step, it can be a huge relief. And you'll also, you'll find empathy on the other side of the line. You'll find people like Thomas who've been through something similar, similar rough times who are there to help you through your rough time. Yeah. I love that he's been there himself as an individual, but how he mentioned how his company's been there as well. Right. <laughs> like with the floods in Houston, it's so valuable to have actually been there when you're talking to someone directly and you're trying to hold their hand and walk through a situation like that. And it's just really encouraging to hear that directly from them. So yeah, fantastic conversation. And of course, we'll make sure that we link to Project Porchlight as well as MMI in our show notes. But before we even get to all that, Joel, um, this beer, this was a fantastic beer. This is another one from our buddy Jess over at Easy Chair Brewing Garage. The name of this one you said was Experimental IPA Volume 13. Volume 13. Right? I didn't get the first 12, Jess. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm expecting him. Maybe the first 12 were, eh, you know, he didn't want you to have those. <laughs> they could be. Yeah. He finally got the, the recipe right on this one. And this one has pineapple. This, IP, this IPA has pineapple in it, Matt. And it was delicious, man. I, I thought it gave it a nice, super juicy vibe. Uh, it had a tiny bit of sweetness from the pineapple. Also, a tiny bit of tartness going on as well. So it was just this really interesting IPA. A fruit thrown into an IPA on occasion. I'm not going to lie. I like it. Uh, I like some blood orange or some pineapple every now and again in an IPA. And man, I feel like just uh, knocked it out of the park with this one. This was uh, this was really good. Yeah, man, I, I could not agree more. This was a fantastic one. And uh, this is a New England style IPA. So as we poured it, it had that cloudy kind of hazy look to it. And I'm with you. The first thing I noticed when I, when I took a sip was that it had a, a, a touch of tartness, which I've had sour IPAs and you know IPAs are a little more tart. And I really dug them. So this was a, a fantastic one. It definitely had that fruity pineapple vibe going on. And because of that, it lent itself this sort of tropical vibe. And it also reminded me of... So Easter wasn't that long ago and uh, for Easter egg hunt inside the house because it was raining <laughs> uh, for the girls. We had those, those little Easter egg uh, jelly beans. Like these are the classic ones with all the classic flavors. Not the not the Starburst ones. Not the Starburst ones. Yeah, they, I don't know what the brand was, but just I don't know, super classic by like Brock's or whatever. It yeah, is. yeah, I think it was actually. But the white jelly bean was pineapple, ah. and it totally like it, it takes me back to sort of that flavor profile because things that are flavored pineapple tastes a little bit different than fresh pineapple, obviously, right? Yeah. But it totally it totally reminded me of that. So it kind of had a little bit of nostalgia going on because obviously I snuck some of those jelly beans as a <laughs> proper father should yeah. uh, when, you, when you're loading up the eggs. Got to get your cut. Yeah, exactly. It's the it's daddy's cut. But yeah, man, uh, really enjoyed this beer. So again, a big thanks to Jess for donating this one to the show. Yeah, Matt, I think the best description I can give is it tasted like a Thomas Nietzsche uh, vacation to the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you said it? Uh, is that where the, where they go? That's where they go a lot. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. So, uh, super tropical down there. I thought you were going to mention this is what it tastes like in Belize. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm not sure if that's what you want. Do they grow pineapples in Belize? I don't know. <laughs> oh, know, maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they do. I know they do in Hawaii. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But all right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks that want our show notes and they want to find out more about not-for-profit credit counseling, just go to our website, howtomoney.com. And maybe you're listening to this episode, right? And you, you found it very helpful, but you've also... Maybe you thought of somebody else. You know somebody else that might be in some serious debts trouble. Oh, my friend Susie. She is not good with money. She needs real help. <laughs> uh, or my buddy Sean. You know? <laughs> Either way, if you have that person in mind, we would love if you shared this episode with somebody or just the show in general. You don't have to necessarily say, hey, go listen to this one episode dummy. <laughs> you can just recommend our show to somebody that might be looking to do smarter things with their money. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Word of mouth is a fantastic way to help us grow the show and to let that other person know that you care about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> An email link to one of our podcasts is definitely a way to show that you care. Yeah. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Hey, great, you know, one thing I was going to mention about my experience before I came to MMI uh, or ClearPoint um, is that when I worked for the global financial services that I used to work for, two of my, really two of my primary duties were one, helping people wire money into casinos off of their credit cards, and two, <laughs> helping people understand that they had been scammed by lottery, like Nigerian prince scams or uh -huh. lottery scams or whatever. Um, those were like two of my primary duties job uh descriptions <laughs> so it's wow. been a real 180 for me to come to Seriously. an organization that is helping people get out of debt and into a better financial space that is awesome um, so i thought that's another sort of little irony in my story infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.